Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. This week we'll be studying chapter 3 of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians. May this study equip you to follow our Lord in faithfulness, and may you continue to grow in your love for Him and His Word. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of the Village Chapel or discover more resources like this one, visit thevillagechapel.com. Now, here's Pastor Jim. Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee with your daily devotional. Hey, we're walking through Ephesians together and we finally come to the second prayer of the Apostle Paul. What in the world would he pray for if he were praying for let's say the church here in Nashville or the church wherever it is that you might attend. Um, I think it would be a lot like what he's praying for the ancient church in the city of Ephesus. And so the letter is called Ephesians and we are looking at verses 16 through 19 in chapter three. And this, as I said, is his second prayer that he's gonna pray for those folks. And it's the same kind of stuff I'm sure he would pray for us. What is a good thing? Well, it starts like this that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. I'm going to stop right there because each of these phrases, and there'll be six of these things, and I'll point them out as we go along. Um, And you might be able to divide it up into a different number, but I'm going to go with six. But each of these are really, really important. And it, it all begins with what God can do in our lives that God would grant this. So the Apostle Paul is actually making a request on behalf of these brothers and sisters that he loves so much that God would grant them, as verse 16 says, according to the riches of his glory. Now, how much glory does God have? All of it. So in other words, that God would just lavish them according to that that massive amount of glory that God has, that God would just lavish them with strength and power through the Holy Spirit in the inner man. So that's that's going to be the first thing that we'll talk about. Um, uh, and it's going to be an acknowledgement that none of us can do this on our own, This even following Jesus. I mean, we, we don't have the want to, we don't have the will to, we don't have the courage to in the culture in which we live. They didn't in their time either. And we don't have the power to without the Holy Spirit. So important. This is, by the way, a very Trinitarian prayer. Uh, he'll refer to God, usually the, the title God is usually a reference to God the Father. And he'll refer to the Spirit with the definite article there. And he'll talk about Jesus, the Son of God. So very Trinitarian prayer. And again, the word Trinity doesn't appear in our Bibles, but God reveals himself throughout the Bible as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And here, the Apostle Paul in verse 16, verse 17, and verse 19 uh, uh, refers to the, the Spirit to Christ and to God the Father. So we've got we've got it all right here as well. So again, this first of six things, Paul prays that the believers would be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit and all according to the riches of God's glory. The second thing is verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love, that's gonna be the third thing. I'm gonna go ahead and read the whole text so that you get it all, that you may be rooted and grounded in love and that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. That is an amazing prayer. There's two more verses left, which we'll look at in the next episode. And it's really one of the most beautiful benedictions that we read in the New Testament. But for now, let's just contain our thoughts and and our meditation today. Uh, verses 16 through 19 in these six things. So first, that you, that we believers would be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit. Secondly, that we would more and more realize what it means to be the dwelling place of Christ through faith. And we read that in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What could that possibly mean? Well, it would mean this at the very least, that Jesus would be quite comfortable, that is, that he would be comfortable dwelling, taking up residence, if you will, in our hearts, that he'd be comfortable with every room and with every bit of all that goes on in our lives. In other words, that all of our priorities, all of our affections, all of that would be so aligned with his that Christ would be right at home with us. The Apostle Paul prays that for them, and I pray that for myself, and I pray that for you as well. Why? Because that's our highest good, that Jesus and that the life of Jesus would take up residence in our lives and in our hearts, that we would live in union with Christ. See, our lives really are designed to be all for his glory and to live in relationship with God. And one of the things that so many people lack in this world when their deepest, deepest longings start to surface and start to become apparent to them, and they have just this chronic, ongoing dissatisfaction and, and, and this kind of deep-seated longing that's never satisfied, is because they were actually created to be in relationship with their creator and designed to be in relationship with the designer of their lives. The God who made us, we're longing for him. And the gospel is all about restoring that relationship with our creator. And in such a deep and a beautiful way that we begin to call him not just God, but Father, Almighty God and Father, and Jesus, our older brother, the one who's come to reconcile us to God. So we would, uh, the Apostle Paul would say that the, one of the best things that could happen to us is that we would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit um, and that we would become more and more and more the dwelling place of Christ. Now we're the body of Christ, that is as well, individual members of it, and collectively we make up the body of Christ. And there's lots of ways throughout the New Testament that the metaphors of our union with Christ are are uh, put on display for us so that we'll get it. We've got lots of different angles from which to look at it. But just the 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 beauty and the wonder of being united with the object of our faith, that's mind-blowing and eye-popping to me when I look at that, when I look at those words and try to take that all in. Thirdly, wants us to be rooted and grounded in love. And that's right there as well in verse 17, so uh, it, which says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. So this is no cut flower faith where it's kind of a snip stick it in a little jar of water, and in about two or three days, it wilts and it's gone. No, he wants us to be rooted and grounded 
in this love that's from God toward us. And I really believe that's a reference toward uh, our reference uh, to the love of God for us. And I wonder, do you really know that God loves you? I mean, you might have heard that for a long, long time, but do we really know what it means that the almighty God of the universe has actually set his love on us? And I know some of us probably uh, demure in some way or shy away from God because we're afraid that he might not love us if he knew us fully. And the Bible, I just got great news for you. This will set you free. The Bible tells us he already knows you fully and he already loves you completely. That's that's amazing. Um, we uh, often will think of God based on what we experience with other people. And sometimes the more other people get to know us, the more they're quick to reject us or make fun of us. And so we once again uh, find ourselves um, afraid to be known. And yet here's the Bible telling us that God already knows us completely and loves us completely. Isn't that, it, it's just a great freedom to start to realize that. Rooted and grounded in the love of God. How can I become more that way? I can get into the word and read passages like this one. I can marinate in the gospel of grace, reminding myself over and over again all the time that it isn't about my performance. It's not about some um, some merit that I have earned, some claim that I have on God. That's not about me being a good little religious boy or you being a good little religious boy or girl or man or woman. Not about any of that. We can't earn God's love. He already loves us. And by the way, if you can't earn it, you can't lose it. It's all about his heart. It's not about our performance. We can be rooted and grounded in that. And now, again, like I say, our faith is not like a cut flower that wilts and folds away. The more we remind ourselves over and over and over again of the great love of God for us, the more we will become rooted and grounded in the love of God. There's nothing, Paul would write in Romans 8, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So remind yourself of that each and every day. And as Paul prayed for the believers there, I pray that for you and I pray that for myself as well, that we be strengthened with power by the Holy Spirit, that we would be become more and more the dwelling place of Jesus and that we'd be rooted and grounded in his great love for us. Fourthly, and we find this right here in verse 18, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of this love of Christ. And now I'm into verse 19 already, but I wanna focus on verse 18 first. Charles Spurgeon called this uh, this verse the, uh, a bit of heavenly geometry because Paul sort of, you know, as he talks, it's almost like a, a designer or an architect, if you will. He's talking about that you would know the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and he's, he's really going in every direction. It'd be, if I were to say north and south and east and west, whichever one, I can't remember which is which, but yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? That this great love of God is so beyond comprehension that it goes in every direction, in every category of life. And that can have such a transforming impact on us when we start to realize again how great his love is. Mine, my love for others is fickle. Um, 
My love, even for myself, is fickle. My love for God is fickle and frail. But God's love for me, God's love for you, it goes way past anything I can conceive of as north, south, east, or west. It's breadth, it's height, it's depth, it's length is beyond our ability to measure. That's transforming. Think of this. The love of God reaches into every category and every direction of your life. Whether you're talking about the spiritual, your spiritual life, your physical life, your mental life, your emotional life, your vocational life, your financial life, your philosophical life, your psychological life, your recreational life, and yes, even your, mm, your relational life. The love of God reaches into all of that. We're never alone. Once we belong to Jesus, we belong to him forever, and we belong to everybody else who belongs to Jesus. We are never alone. That's why it's so wonderful and beautiful to know him this way. Um, not just because I've been convinced up in my head, but because I experience his love. The more I read the scriptures, the more I'm on my knees in prayer, in communion with him, the more the Holy Spirit is reminding me over and over again of the great love of God. And we become able to comprehend that, as verse 18 says. <clears throat> the fifth thing, and there are six, remember, so I'll recount them. Strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit, dwelling place of Christ, rooted and grounded in love, able to begin to comprehend how great God's love is for us. And number five is really, one more time, it sounds like I'm saying the same thing over and over again, but when you start to see how huge and how large it is, what he says in verse 19 is, you, be, you begin to know it, to know experientially, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Okay, that's right there. To know something that surpasses knowing. That's the paradox part of the paradox, that one of the many paradoxes of the Christian faith is that you begin to know something that is beyond knowing. It's beyond human knowledge. Um, wow. Again, heart thumping, eye popping, mind blowing. But to experience that, to be able to walk in the freedom and the joy of the love of God for you in every category of your life, no matter which of those categories you happen to be moving or thinking or feeling in, remind yourself over and over again that it's Christ who has first loved you. We love him, but it's because he first loved us. He took that divine initiative. And the last thing I wanna say, um, not only are we wanting to be, uh, as we pray, strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit, become more and more the dwelling place of Christ, more and more rooted and grounded in his love, beginning to comprehend it with the rest of the saints and community, um, and, and to really know it experientially ourselves. But sixthly, he says at the very end of verse 19, um, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. <laughs> all right. Now, I've, I've said this so many times before at our church, but the finite cannot fully comprehend the infinite. And what Paul, I think, is praying here is that our finite selves would be so filled up 
with this knowledge of the love of God, with this sense of community belonging to the people of God, uh, and, ex- and and not only knowing the, the love of God, but, but experiencing being rooted in grass, all of that happening in our lives to such a degree that our lives literally overflow with the presence, with the power, with the peace of God. Hmm. I love the way uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount said this. I must get rid of this thought that God is standing between me and my desires and that which is best for me. I must see God as my Father who has purchased my ultimate good in Christ and is waiting to bless me with his own fullness in Christ Jesus. And that's where I think that's, that, that's echoing that same idea that we would be filled up to all the fullness of God, to all that God has for you, that all that God has for me, that the life of Christ would overflow our lives, that we would become a, a, a witness uh, for Jesus. As people look at us, they would see Jesus. They would recognize us as having been with Jesus. Kevin DeYoung, and this, I'll close with this little simple statement that he makes. Uh, he's got a book called uh, Just Do Something. And I, I don't know about you, but I love those kind of practical type uh, books like that. And Just Do Something, he says, uh, is the title of his book. He says, the will of God for your life is pretty straightforward. Maybe you've asked that before, pondered that before, or maybe been puzzled by what's the will of God for my life. And uh, he's right, uh, DeYoung is right on this. He says, the will of God for your life is pretty straightforward. Be holy like Jesus by the power of the Spirit for the glory of God. And when I read that, it reminded me of this prayer by the Apostle Paul because he begins with the power of the Spirit and moves into um, uh, Christ dwelling, making our homes, uh, our hearts, his dwelling place. And that's, that's another way of saying holiness, that Christ would be so comfortable in, in everything we do, everywhere we go, and everything we say and all of that. Um, the will of God for your life is pretty straightforward. Be holy like Jesus by the power of the Spirit for the glory of God. And that, that last phrase reminded me of that, that last phrase of the, the prayer here in verse 19, that we would be filled up to all the fullness of God. I pray that for you today, that in all you do and all you say, that you and I, that I pray that for all of us, that we would live in constant communion with the Holy Spirit and, and recognizing his presence in our lives, um, that we would love God the Father, that we would love every person we come into contact with today, that we would say everything we say and do everything we do for the glory of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or following us on social media. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's Word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.